Most third-year law students are afraid about finding jobs. Not Katie Kaiser and Amanda Graham. They took a leap and started their own firm after graduation. Who knows? We have no idea what we're going to be making in five or ten years. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all about the work that you choose to do. I'm Stephanie Francis-Ward, and when we return, I'll ask them how they did it and how others could, too. This ABA Journal podcast is brought to you by Westlaw Next. Folder sharing on Westlaw Next enables you to tap into previous research across organizational boundaries like never before, saving you time from reinventing the wheel. Learn more at westlawnext.com. What prompted you to start your own firm instead of trying to find a job? And you guys came to this decision early in law school, right? As opposed to, it's a month before I graduate, I'm just going to do this on my own. So how did that work out? Well, um, we were, like you said, law students, and we um, knew we wanted to do justice work. And, you know, that means something different to everybody, obviously. But to us, it meant finding a way to uh, do criminal defense. And we um, just decided to start our own practice in order to pave the way for ourselves. There, I mean, there, it's true there aren't that many job opportunities, um, at least there weren't at the time in criminal defense, but we realized it's really possible to do it yourself if you prepare and if you ask the right questions. What, how did you prepare? Well, we, it, was a, it was a long process. Um, uh, we started by just sitting down and talking to each other about um, our different expectations and our different goals and sort of our different vision for what it would look like um, and making sure we were kind of on the same page. And then we basically started building sort of our uh, support network because, you know, we were doing this right out of law school. So um, we didn't have the advantage of, you know, 10 or 15 years in practice before mm-hmm. going out on our own. So we wanted to do this kind of work responsibly. So we just started asking questions and asking for um, advice from people who've been doing the kind of work we wanted to do. We started getting as many, you know, experiential sort of um, internships, externships, working for lawyers, any kind of work we could get our hands on. And and, uh, building our mentor base was kind of the, the long process that we undertook. Um, But some of those relationships we built, you know, we know that they're going to be lasting, you know, Mm -hmm. for the rest of our career. So, and were you looking for both uh, government connections with internships and externships as well as people in private practice so you'd know how to run a business. I think that's a huge problem for people, you know, who might be 20 years out. Totally. Absolutely. And we, um, and we're constantly having this conversation. It's what are our deficits? What are our strengths? What do we not know anything about? And for us, that was running a small business. Mm-hmm. Um, we always joked that we never saw ourselves as entrepreneurs, but there we were starting our own practice. And so that meant assessing what we needed to know. And if we didn't know what we needed to know, it was asking, what do we need to know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's saying, well, who had small practices that were private practitioners in the field that we wanted to go into? And we reach out to them and say, we, you know, could we take you for coffee or dinner sometime and, and just pick your brain about how you did it? Um, mm-hmm. Because we want to do the same work, carry on the same work that you're doing. So it was sort of a process that way it snowballed as we determined what we needed to find out. Will you tell me what your goal was uh, for earnings your first year out? <laughs> a number? Or a range, yeah. Well, what I will say is that we sat down um, in our business plan. We had a detailed outline of budgetary issues, concerns, personal goals that we had financially. And 
I will be honest with you, in our first year, our goal was to make sure that we could pay the rent on our office space Mm -hmm. and the rent on our (laughs) personal uh, living space. Right. And we've far succeeded, you know, we've succeeded in that goal. Well, do you have law school loans? We do. And that was, was that a concern? Because I think some people would be like, oh, I can't do this because I have law school loans, Mm -hmm. but... Yeah, and you know, we try not to offer too much advice on that because uh-huh. um, we're, not, we're really not experts. We're not experts in the loan department, and that's really a, a very individual yeah. um, kind of thing. Everyone has different concerns. People have, you know, families to take care of, sure. have different living expenses. So, really, the school the school loan thing means something different to everyone. Sure. So far. Do you also think, though? I mean, there's this, and like you know, starting your own practice is not for everyone for a variety of reasons, but. Do you think that there's a chance, I mean, perhaps you're doing better, well, clearly you're doing better than your peers who don't have jobs yet in the profession, but do you think there's a chance that this will be a more financially smart decision to make, especially five years down the road when you've got your business and whatnot, as opposed to working for someone else? Well, financially smart, I think it's it's funny. Again, it goes back to your personal sort of um, goals and mm-hmm. objectives, and to us, you know, it's never been about the money, and it never will be about the money. And we know a lot of a lot of our peers who might get jobs in the public defender's office. You know, it might not be about the money for them either. And for us, maybe it's more ebb and flow because we're in private practice. And who knows? We have no idea what we're going to be making in five or ten years. But at the end of the day, it's it's all about the work that you choose to do. And if you're doing social justice work, that is never going to be something that buys you the five-bedroom mansion or you know, mm-hmm. something, anything. You know, you always have to supplement. You always have to think creatively. You always have to determine like what your own personal goals are. So I think it's hard to say. I mean, I think it's people just run the gamut of, of what experiences they have in social justice work. So, But I do think there's something to be said for the value that you can't really attach a number to of uh, running your own life totally, not just personally, but at work. Mm -hmm. Um, And we get to make a lot of decisions and do a lot of things and be flexible in a lot of ways that other people can't who, you know, do have a job where they're working for someone else. So that is a huge value that you can't really attach a number to. And maybe our salary is a little lower than someone who, you know, works at the public defender or something, but Mm -hmm. we have that flexibility, um, which has been great. Do you think that if more people coming out of law school did work for themselves, there might be more people enjoying their profession and maybe sticking with it. It seems like there's so many people who leave. Yes, I think so. I mean, we, we pinch ourselves all the time because we just say we're incredibly happy and feel very lucky because we just designed our own practice and mm-hmm. our own careers um, and that not many people get to do that. And, you know, we answer to each other and we answer to our clients and mentors and other lawyers that we work with. But for the most part, we get to sort of forge our own path, which I think is probably difficult for a lot of people who go into offices where there's a chain of command and, you know, it's high pressure and budgetary mm-hmm. concerns and, and everything else. So, yeah, I think that I, we're, we're definitely proponents of more people going into private work, especially because it can just, once you start to not like something, make a decision to change it and go a different direction. And that, like Amanda said, you have the flexibility to do that when you have your own practice. Do you get the sense with your peers that there's going to, or there are more people doing what you're doing, or do you feel like you two are still unique? I think there are more people doing what we're doing, mm-hmm. and I'm really, you know, Katie and I have talked about this recently with the way the legal field seems to be changing and evolving, which I think is a good thing, mm-hmm. um, sort of away from big law, and people are finding that they're happier, um, maybe in a smaller office or maybe, you know, going solo, 
And, you know, we do have several peers who we sit down with and talk about, you know, how to jumpstart their practice because they're thinking of doing it and what are the concerns, what are the risk factors, how mm-hmm. to mitigate those risks. Um, and so we, we are seeing more people do it. And I think one thing is that there are numerous people graduating from law school now who want to be doing good work. That's mm-hmm. why they went to law school. They want to be doing justice work. And fortunately, we're friends with numerous people like that. Mm-hmm. And so it can't be that you have to get a job at a nonprofit or at a government agency to be doing that kind of work because <clears throat> that means we have many able hands sitting idly and mm-hmm. that's not okay. So it, it makes me, you know, it makes us excited that there's people who are willing to take the risk to go out on their own and forge their own path, but be doing the work that's totally necessary. Mm-hmm. How do you get business? What has worked so far for you? Well, it's like, it's like any private practice. It's referrals. Um, you know, you represent one client in a certain institution and then other people reach out to you and ask you to help them or you have other lawyers refer cases to you or call and say, you know, I have this big case. I need a second chair. Could one of you help? And so then our firm comes in and then one of us helps that lawyer, just mm-hmm. like we do with a bunch of different of our mentors that, you know, bring us on to different cases. So. Do you cover motions for people, too? Do they do that in mm-hmm. criminal court? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we, we do a lot of running around. It's great, though, because mm-hmm. when you're, you know, and we always talk about humility. Always remember what you don't know, because that's the way to do this thing responsibly. That's mm-hmm. the way to practice law on your own responsibly. Right, right. Um, will you tell me, so when you were speaking with mentors, about doing this, what sort of advice did they give you on what to charge people? You know, that was something that we we did ask almost every single one of our mentors um, who had done some work in the private field because uh-huh. asking, you know, some of our mentors who are in public defense, they don't have, you know, the same kind of finger on their pulse of that. But, um, and we got a wide range of answers. It was mm-hmm. very interesting. So for us, you know, we have our own kind of way of doing things. It seems that that's the trend. A lot of lawyers really just, it's very um, individual. Some lawyers sit down and think, okay, how many hours do I think this case will take me? Mm-hmm. And then what does that add up to based on, you know, X hourly rate? Um, other lawyers think, how many court dates is this, regardless of the time? And so really what we got out of those conversations was what factors into what you charge a client? You know, what are the kind of things you need to be thinking about? Um, what kind of case is it? What kind of client are they? Where is it? You know, all those kind of things. When you were still in school and talking to people about these plans, did many people tell you that you shouldn't do it? Some people did. Yeah. Yes. But then again, that was sort of like training for when you first get out into the field and people are, you know, <laughs> doubting right. you again. Um, definitely. And But I think there are lessons in life that we learned before that point about what we can and can't do personally and our, what our own strength is. and you know, um, our stubbornness sometimes to, <laughs> to do it the way we want to do it. And mm-hmm. I think there were people who had concerns because it's, it is that, you know, you don't have the safety net, you know, it's not like you're coming to a job where there are benefits uh, automatically mm-hmm. and, and things of the concerns that people have valid concerns. But, um, it was almost helpful to hear that because whatever those concerns were, we were already thinking of and how can mm-hmm. we best, you know, anticipate that and take certain steps to avoid, you know, not not being able to pay for our own health care or something like that. You mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Did you also hear, though, that if you're going to do this, this is the time? Because you, you're still young, so health insurance is wonderful, but it's, you know, it's not <laughs> yeah. as dangerous to not have it now. But for most right, right. brothers, like if you were 40, do you have children? 
Okay, well, that's another factor. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Mortgages, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. And you don't have the gold handcuffs yet either. Right. Some lawyers, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I well, we didn't so much hear that. Um, we heard it more after we did it. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Yeah. Well, you probably... <laughs> yeah, a good idea. Uh-huh. I would imagine people would be like, oh, I wish I did this when I was your age. Do you hear that much? Um, not really. I think because... Maybe they did. I mean, we forget. That's that, true. Yeah. Or, you know, I think we do... We are really open with a lot of our mentors about some of the challenges. Because mm-hmm. it's challenging, you know. Yeah. And we talk about we're very happy we're doing the work we want to be doing. But it's very stressful. Um, and so they... And a, and a lot of our mentors are also in private solo practice and mm-hmm. so they are already kind of set mm-hmm. up and they're in the less stressful end of the mm-hmm. um of the startup process so um and a lot of them wouldn't you know we have a lot of mentors who maybe were in the public defender's office a long time ago and um are now in private practice and when they've had those experiences in the past you know they learned a lot from being in the public defender's office and we say all the time we're very you know, we, we respect public defenders, and we know that if we were in the public defender's office, we would be learning because it would be trial after trial and in court all the time, and that's not what we chose to do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not the avenue that we pursued, I should say. But um, So I think you just you learn a lot from whatever you choose to do as long as you're doing, you know, the work that you love to do and that you want to do. When your friends who are still in law school, when they come to you and they're interested in doing what you're doing, what's the main advice you give them? Well, we don't. We normally give them many pieces of advice mm-hmm. because we are so eager to get them to, to, you know, to encourage them to take the same path. But I would say, you know, we tell them to start asking questions and start really reflecting on the decision and make the decision. That was something that we tell people all the time. Is, you know, it's very easy to sort of say, I think I should do this. Let me let me dance around this issue for a little while and think about it. Let it sit with me. But mm-hmm. there comes a point where you need to make the decision and own that decision. Mm-hmm. And it's a scary thing to do, say, I'm doing this. I'm not applying for jobs. I'm starting my own mm-hmm. practice. And that's some, that's sort of like the first thing that they need to do. I think that was the best thing we ever did to get things off the ground, um, Katie and I, was that we were tossing the idea around. We were still looking at the application you know, processes that were out there. And we just said to each other, are we going to agree to not apply for anything? Um, mm-hmm. And so neither of us did. <laughs> Um, because, you know, it was kind of the feeling that if one of us is putting all of our energy into this and the other is um, one foot out the door applying to other jobs and in the hopes they might get one and then throw the whole thing into, you know, tumult, we just kind of decided. Um, and so I think that was a, a huge decision. Anyway. How did it feel the third year when everyone's screwing around trying to find work and you are focused on starting your own practice? How... Did it, was it scary sometimes? Was it a relief? Was it maybe everything? What, how did that feel? We haven't actually, I haven't, we haven't we've talked no. about this. I felt relieved. It was great. I was just, mm. we were sort of grinning. But you didn't well, have to worry about any letdowns, because like we said, you never know what's around the corner. Right. The right. letdowns mm-hmm. will come, but you don't have to anticipate <laughs> <Right>. them. <laughs> and you have all the time in the world to plan for that. I mean, right. with them, it was so much uncertainty about whether they'll get a job. And for us, it's, well, we already have a job, and mm-hmm. we will, it was our our, you know, precious thing that we were kind of, you know, fostering, and um, it was uh, it was ours. And we were, um, because we were so focused, we were both working, well, interning, externing, paid, unpaid, um, full-time, and then going to class at night. One of the things we decided going into third year was we need to get as much experience as I we possibly see. can. And so how can we basically facilitate that? 
I um, see. So it was, you know, the two of us in different places running um, to and fro, different lawyers' offices, being at the Federal Defender, still doing work for, um, you know, some private lawyers to build that uh, experiential base while we could. So you kind of built your own externship your third year, mm-hmm. as many people say law school should, but right, absolutely. they don't. We yeah. just like built it into a full-time. Right, yeah. I mean, we and we loved all being. You know, we loved going to the solo solo's office and getting little research assignments, or going with them to court in Washington in court, and then being the federal defender and being really a part of that program and being welcomed there and seeing how they operate in federal court and just being all over the place. And it was really, it was a wonderful and critical mm-hmm. experience for us to have before we were sort of unleashed into the world. <laughs> how much capital did you start out with? We did put money, um, some money aside. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we kind of calculated what we would need for the first month um, after the bar, and then um, we made it through that first month, and we had something to get us through the next month, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah so, <laughs> so about a month's worth of savings, I think, is what mm-hmm. our nest egg was, which was not a lot. Well, you know, that's funny to me because when you read the articles about starting your own practice, that you should have a year's worth of oh, savings. Oh my gosh, I know. That's not that realistic. Scary. Well, that's I mean, and maybe that's an issue in the profession mm-hmm. is. Uh, in terms of the advice you get about doing it, perhaps it's not realistic. I mean, what do you think? Well, I think we have to be cognizant that we do a kind of work that is unique and that it's low cost. Mm-hmm. We're doing criminal defense where there aren't filing fees, and we don't need to go take depositions and pay for experts, um, you know, those kind of things um, that are happening so much more frequently if you're doing mm-hmm. you know, some different types of civil work. So I think that, you know, it really depends on the kind of work you want to be doing. Um, if you want to take on a civil rights case, you have to have a pretty substantial amount of money to pay for the upfront costs yeah. of that, and that's not true with, with criminal defense work. So, And we were really aggressive in the first that month. I mean, we knew we had a month, so we didn't just sort of sit behind our desks and wait for the phone yeah. to ring or someone to walk through the door. We were... We were out there. There's a lot of hustle. <laughs> and is that easy for you? I mean, mm-hmm. well, hustling is easier for some people than others, I think. And mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just, I mean, we were really, we are really driven about it. Mm-hmm. And again, at the end of the day, I don't think it would come as easy to us if we didn't love the work for the work's mm-hmm. sake and the clients and just what we're doing on a daily basis. I, mean, I can't imagine if I were doing a different type of law that I would have the same hustle mm-hmm. in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said about... Um, the hustle for us was because we hadn't had so many experiences, and now we were lawyers, and now we can stand up in court. And so for us, it was, you know, I want to get on that case. I want to observe that lawyer. I want to work alongside alongside that lawyer, or I want to try this different type of case, or, you know, I want to do this sentencing. And so it wasn't so much, oh, we're going to get paid on that <clears throat> eventually, hopefully, mm-hmm. um, but it was more, you know, we want those experiences. We're hungry for the experience, and we still are, so. How do you think law schools could do a better job of preparing students to go out and practice on their own? Focus on the experiential, practical skills mm-hmm. across the board. Clinics should be the centerpiece, in our opinion. We talked, you know, at length about this. We tried to build our own, as we said, sort of super experiential uh, third year, but I think that we would be churning out better lawyers, more qualified if we, from the beginning, from the get-go, sort of toss out the book on the traditional law school. You know, you have to have this hazing process first year where you learn about laws that you're not going to even remember by the time you have to take the bar exam and Mm -hmm. instead focus on actual practical skills. Okay. That's everything I have for you. Do either of you want to add anything else? I don't think so. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.
This ABA Journal podcast is brought to you by Westlaw Next, powered by WestSearch, the world's most advanced legal search engine delivering the best results in seconds. Learn more at westlawnext.com.